Hello everybody and welcome to the debut episode of our new podcast, Children's Play, where we, grown adults, discuss children's books because we want to. And today we're going to be discussing the Belgian story of Rosie and Musa, or Rosie and Musa, by Mikael de Kock and Judith van Nissendale, which is a really sweet story about two unlikely friends who live in the same apartment block who go on adventures really um and they have a bit of conflict with the residence manager about various events in their building and i wonder what would the other residents of this building think about that sorry i'm late guys so what do we think of mr tack yeah, I heard about that, Mr. Tech. Um, as Rosie would say, wat een achelig man. So, yeah, he's a really unpleasant man. I just don't understand the problem he has with the dogs. I'd love a little, you know, chihuahua, a pug, a French bulldog. But he's absolute blanket ban on them. You know that Musa downstairs? He's got a little cat that he calls a dog. It's incredible the imagination those children have. I mean, I'm sure I heard it barking the other day. They're so convinced that you start to believe it yourself. That's the thing about children. Sometimes you try and remember that sense of illusion and you just don't know how you ever had that yourself. I think it would be lovely if we had dogs in the building. Go on walks. I mean, there's no parks to walk in around here, admittedly. But... It would be nice. Yes, that reminds me slightly of the book Hair de Diva um, by Vanessa Eusen. Um It kind of reminds me of like that term, the child foreigner who are victims of the childist, who is Mr. Tack in this case. Um, they use their imagination in order to get around the city, unlike the other characters in the book uh, so like the dog that they have they use the dog in order to get off the roof um, in this case and yeah I find that really interesting it's just when children don't have an answer they find the answer if you tell someone you can't have a dog they're not allowed they say okay well I've got my cat and I'll pretend that's the dog, and the problem's solved. And I think this childhood imagination, this sense of freedom with four and ignoring the rules of society, sorry, my phone going there, um, is something that we could use even, you know, to try and green up this city a bit. Imagine if you looked at all the things that surround our area, all the subways and the big grey buildings, and you saw cave passages and massive trees. You'd be unstoppable, wouldn't you? Yeah, I agree with that. I think you should talk to Mrs. Hamelreich, because uh, she's quite high up the building, and she also loves flowers. Um, so in a way, she's able to look at the urban city and see its beauty but also appreciate sort of the plants and the greenery um, and for example um, 
Het eerste briefje valt in een lege bloembak die op de vensterbank van de op één na hoogste verdieping staat. Mevrouw Hemelrijk staat net vanaf haar terras de stad naar de stad te kijken. So, um, when Rosie and Musa got stuck on the roof, um, Mrs. Hemelrijk was already there, um, standing on her terrace, uh, on her balcony, looking over the city. Um, and on her windowsill there was a planter there, um, which really points to a sort of reconciliation environment um, where she can observe the city alongside plant pots, um, which really links to urbanature and um, the idea that, you know, Mrs. Hamelreich isn't any more in nature on her balcony than in the rest of the city or on or than on than the children on the roof um both are as natural as each other um because as nichols says in thoreau and urbanature nothing we can do can take us out of nature uh, yeah i agree and i think it's a really interesting comparison between um mr tack and miss hamelreich because they're both on paper very similar people but Mr. Tack is very opposed to the nature and opposed to like the dogs and all the pets and things and doesn't like people going on the roof, whereas Miss Hamelreich naturally or actively embraces nature and encourages it in her urban setting, as it were. So I think it's really interesting to kind of look at those two as complete opposites of each other, someone kind of enabling the natural and then Mr. Tack on the other side kind of trying to discourage it. When you think about it, these mad old days and the children, they've got the same sense of imagination. Nothing can stop that Mrs. Hamelreich. I've seen her do some daft things. I think they are the key to transforming our city and allowing our building to become more green. She's the only one with a planter. Everyone else has got sad windowsills of cigarette ends and pigeon droppings. I'm sure I saw them go into her, room, her house the other day definitely up to something she'd love it yeah it's much nicer than the apartment of mr tuck um and to add on to your point yordi um he he is a him frau mevrouw hamelik are complete opposites um and he's a prime example of a childist um you know where he he completely shut off the playing grounds for Rosie and Musa. He shut off the roof, which was the only space that they had to play and explore. Um, and he's just a prime example of a childish, which reminds me of that book by Elizabeth Youngbrew in 2012. Um, and they said that adults who treat ch children as inferior are using them for their own profit and needs, which is exactly how Mr. Tuck behaves. I completely agree and actually I went around the whole building a few days ago and asked the residents if they were open to the idea of opening up the roof um, since no one else is using it and guess who the only dissenting voice was in this building? Mr. The Tack. The man. Exactly. Oh, Mr. Tack. I was talking to Rosie the other day and um, and Musa, and she said, "Hey, schuurt de hele tijd een kaniet wat stil op de trap kereltje." 
Um, I think that's just completely out of order and just shows what a child-hating childish he is. I think we should make him read some children's books again and reignite the magic inside. If he could see what they see when they're on that roof, he'd understand. And he'd love it. I think he'd actually smile for once. I mean, I'm sure he goes up there to tap dance. You hear and see some weird things sometimes. Maybe that's why it's such a secret. And, like, when Rosie and Moose were up there, I heard them talking about all the different things they wanted to experience. So it doesn't have to be something, some massive jungle, like... Just a bit of imagination goes a long way in things like this, which is why I think Rosie and Moose enjoyed it up there so much. Whereas maybe why the reason that Mr Tack wants to shut it off from everyone is because he doesn't have the imagination. He can't see the potential beauty in just a rooftop. But, you know, Rosie and Moose were able to see the whole city from there. They were able to see things like the train station and see the trains going in and out. Yeah, I think that's very true. And um, it's almost like his eyes are closed. He just needs to wild, as Thoreau would say. He just needs to release his inner wilderness and explore. I agree. I mean, I read this article the other day by Penelope Lively. It was a book, City of Mind. Very good read. And she was talking about the way children look at the world, because it's entirely different with the liberation of childhood, without rationality or expectations. And I think that's what Mr Tack lacks. He can't look at the roof without thinking, oh, well, if they drop a can down there, it might hurt someone or they'll damage the tiles. I think he needs to re-experience the experience of childing and look at it with fresh eyes. I agree. And I I saw the other week that Rosie was um, going down to the, the markets by herself without her mum. She went down to the fish stall and bought some food. So it's not, you don't even just have to be just a child. You can kind of, I think Rosie's kind of a beautiful combination of being a child and having that imagination, but having that agency. A bit like in Hair Dare Diva, where the kids are free to run around Venice and explore at their own will and having to look after themselves. I haven't really seen Rosie's mum about much, so I don't know whether she's having some, some problems or whatever. But the fact, well. the fact that Rosie can kind of go about the city by herself and live this productive life, but also enjoy the imagination and, the, yeah, the, the roof and the fun with Musa, I think it's quite nice. I think it's something that Mr Tack lacks. He doesn't have that imagination side. He's just too focused on the adult. It's almost as if the adults can adapt to the city better. Um, the, ch- the children can adapt to the city better than the adults, which goes along with a perfect example of a child on earth. It's true. It almost seems like a complete rejection of the romantic ideas of childhood, where, you know, children are, are these natural little beings that can't live in such an unnatural urban environment. I mean, the clear example here is that Rosie and Musa thrive in a natural environment. I mean, when we look at the... Uh, in an urban environment, when we look at the uh, at the children on the roof, they don't even need any extra stimulus. There's just the roof there, and they're still able to play Omgekeerd Wereld, the sort of uh, opposites world. And there, um, if we look at the illustration on page pages 58 and 59, um, it sort of shows... Um, that they're imagining the apartment block as if it's a tree 
um, and all the residents are poking out of its trunk um, and the children are hanging from the top of it. Um, and this is um, this could be seen, I think, as an example of seeing a clear pastoral divide, since they are playing sort of opposites. But I think at the same time, um, it's also urbanature, clearly, because these are people hanging out of a tree, which is um, sort of a beautiful reconciliation idea, which seems to reject the, the dichotomy of uh, urban and rural environments. Um, and I think it also fits nicely with what Nichols said um, in Thoreau and Urbanature, where um, he says that we can wild ourselves if we realise that nature is a state of mind. These children are sort of imagining that this is a tree instead of a flat, an apartment block. What I think is really interesting is the fact that Rosie and that other boy, Musa, that they're friends. They're very different. You can tell Rosie didn't grow up really around here. She's from one of the nicer parts, down the train line. Does anyone know what happened with her dad? Anyone? Can't get a word out of that mother. No, but I sense that they're in quite a lot of trouble because um, they're very scared of being thrown out of the apartment block. And guess who was threatening it? No surprises there, then. They've been doing that to Moose and his family for years. They've not got a lot of money, bless them. There's quite a few of them in that flat as well. No wonder he's walking around with Rosie all the time. Must be idyllic. But, yeah, it's crazy. I'd never thought about talking to Moose's parents because, you know, they're very different. They do very different things to us. We're not here, for example, in our coffee morning. But the children overlook that which I think is really sweet. Even in this unfamiliar environment for Rosie, she doesn't see someone from the lower part of the city. They're all just living in the same environment and they're just children together, childing at the same time. Yeah, that that reminds me of an article I read by Owen Jones called Naturally Not, um, where he said that children can find space and play opportunities in all manner of situations, which I think is kind of summed up in Rosie and Moose's relationship with each other they can just even though they don't know each other very well they're still able to play with each other and go all over the apartment block and find places to explore and use their imaginations so I think it's it's nice to see in the apartment I think on the block I think and nice to hear like the the footsteps despite what Mr Tack says. It's true I mean one of the first things I heard from that Rosie was when Musa was talking about that cat of his, the cat dog, and he said, When he was talking about the cat he's got, because, you know, he really wants a dog, but Mr Tack doesn't want any dogs in the building. And instead of questioning this particularly, Rosie just accepted it, because this was the new way she's living now, with the strange little fluffy black thing, cat, dog, whatever it wants to call itself. And I don't think you'd get that anywhere else, or with anyone else, other than children, in the environment where they have to pretend, because they can't see the green trees and the deer and the other nice childhood things, because they don't have that here. That's very true, and I think the way they use this initiative is 
um, very interesting and kind of creates this sense of community because they don't have this environment in which they have all this nature and stuff so they go out and they talk to other people on the streets for example uh, Mohammed that um, works across the street nearby and they all feel a strong sense of community as well and they just say get lost or in the words of Ennu Obdondra to uh, Mr Tak who tries to prevent that from happening. Do you think the children could be seen as child flaneurs maybe? I think so. What do you mean by child flaneur, Yordi? Well, I think that uh, it was you, John, who mentioned that the children like going between the different apartments and up and down the stairs exploring the building um, with their imaginations. So um, do you think that that's sort of a concept that links here? Yeah, I'd say these, I'd say Rosie and Musa in particular are good examples of flaneurs because they're not just going through the apartment block, but they're also observing, uh, which I think is is vital to flannery. Um, and, yeah, they kind of... They notice things that other people don't necessarily notice and they are able to get themselves out of situations that they use their almost their childhood to an advantage, which I think is quite a different view. Most people would think that children would be disadvantaged, but because they're children, but Rosie and Moose are able to, yeah, use it to their advantage and almost work through that barrier that people have put on them with just labelling them as children. So I think that's quite important. It's quite, yeah, it's quite special. It's quite a special case. I mean, I think what we've got to remember is that Rosie and Moose didn't really get much choice. No-one's telling them what to do anymore. Rosie's mum, I think she's not been off that safe in about 14 days. No joke, not even the windows open, curtains barely move either. I've been looking. Um, so when no one's telling them what they should do or where they should go, they become the flaneur. They have no choice. They've got to wander and observe. Otherwise, they'd just be still. And children aren't still. A still child isn't a child. Yeah, they're just kind of like Prosper and Scorpio in the story Hair the Diva. They're just the classic example. It's true. I think I agree to an extent, but I also think that they don't even need to wander sometimes. For example, when they get trapped on the roof and they are physically unable to wander or move about, they still manage to observe the city. They, um, For example, um, they can see the trains um, in and out um, the Stadsinrijde. Um, and um, Musa talks about a train... Um, the helemaal tot aan de zee gaat. Um, trains that are going as far as the eye can see to the coast, um, in and out of the city. Um, so I think that's very similar to um, Jane in Penelope, Live- Penelope Lively's City of the Mind, um, in the way that um, Jane was sat on a bus but was still able to do this observing. Um, it seems like a sort of um, static flaneur almost um, perhaps maybe a reversal since the city, the trains are moving around them um, and they're the ones who are still and observing um, and in fact talking of trains it's a very common um, topos that 
um, you see trains entering or leaving cities, um, going out towards nature. Um, that's a very common theme in um, pastoralism. The whole situation could remind me a bit of a book I read when I was a child, Pluck von der Petterflette by Annie M. G. Smith. Oh, I love Pluck that. Great oh, book. Yeah, Who's it by? Um, Annie M. G. Smith. Oh, yes, of course. Of course. Oh, well. um, But she, or Rosie reminds me a bit of Pluck because Pluck was just left to his own devices to explore the city. Um, and he had to find his own apartment and made his own friends um, in the apartment block. And obviously Rosie's mother is still there, but she's, Rosie's left to her own devices a lot and has a lot, has to do a lot for herself, like going to Mohammed's fish store. So I saw when I, like met Rosie and saw what she was doing and kind of was like reminded me of the story of Pluck and how he his house is on the roof of the um, the flat building in, in the story so similar to Rosie he's looking at Rosie and Musa sorry he's looking out at the city from his vantage point and he's kind of observing from there similar to how they were on the roof and he's going through the apartment block and making lots of friends a bit like they did with Mrs Hamelweg so and then there was another character in the book Mrs. Helderder, who reminded me a bit of Mr. Tack in that she hated any kind of nature in the building and tried to stop Pluck from doing what he wanted to do. Yeah, it reminded me a bit of... Could have been, could have been Mr. Tack's sister, if I didn't know any better. I mean, talking about Mrs. Hamelreich again and the idea of these classic books that we've all read, did anyone read Heidi? No. Please tell me more. I don't think so. I've heard of it. Well, you know Heidi, the Swiss book by Johanna Spiritel. Or maybe it's German and set it... Yes, she's Swiss. And you see there that Heidi's troubles are resolved by her grandfather. And it just reminded me of how... I think when the children got in trouble, the only reason Mr Tack didn't physically throw them out of the building was because of Mr Hamelheik. In this article I've been reading by Lois Kern at the Fresh Air Kids, he says that in classic children's pastoral, the old can be redeemed by the young. And I think the old, I think we have to think about that. What have the children given to Mrs. Hamel like? She's very lonely. I don't think I'd ever heard her laugh as much as when they were below me eating chocolates or something. She's always got a lot of chocolates. Yeah, it's almost like she'd been waiting. She was... She was ready for someone to come along. It is. And then it just happened to be Rosie and Musa. So I hope you all enjoyed our look into our attempt at a residence gossip morning. Um, that was quite a lot of fun, really. And I think when you read these children's books, because you're not a child, it's so hard to get back into that imaginative spirit to properly understand them. And doing something like that and pretending that you are in the book is so mind-changing. I think it's that irreplaceable imagination that children have, which you lose one day and you never realise until it's too late. And that's what we're gaining from these children's books that we're reading and exploring in our podcast. Couldn't have put it better myself. That's very true, June. What I find really interesting about these children, but all children in particular, is that they always manage to find the perfect solution to a problem, which adults could never find. I think Musa and Rosie said, we finden vast well in oplossing, for hours is our altide in oplossing, 
we'll find a solution because there's always a solution. It's that sort of motto children have from reading books that are always resolved and watching TV shows where the conflict is always resolved. You don't have cliffhangers for children. Nothing ends on a bad note, which I think is wonderful because even though one could say, well, it's unrealistic, life isn't like that. I think these children particularly show us life can be like that if you want it to be. If you want a dog and you have a cat, your dog is a your cat is a dog now it's an easy solution to make but only one a child could find and I think when we think about our future issues we want to solve in our environment and our world to greenify it we should look to the children and ask what their solutions are because there is Altide and Oplossing. And perhaps we should try and become more like those children who are more willing to open their minds to different concepts and ideas and solutions. Yes, that's true. June, and I think what you've just said perfectly sums up our central theme or focus for today's podcast, which was us trying to show you why Rosie and Musa are in fact the perfect residents for any apartment block, not just theirs, but any, because they are able to make the most of their building. They use every single inch of it that they can and they respect it, which is always nice. Yep. And I think when we think about eco-criticism, eco-criticism and the modern nov- children's novel of today, you know, the, which are, many of them are essentially a child's guide to being an eco-warrior. You've got the Curious Garden, so like, Ed Alderaden, you know, he, he helps to save the world. And we shouldn't necessarily look for literature like that. We should look for the children because they don't just exist in books. Every apartment block has a Rosie and a Musa. You just have to find them and spark their imagination and save the world. Be more Rosie and Musa. Yeah, they reduce, they, because, you know, they don't use things. They recycle what they see around them. They recycle a cat into a dog. They recycle a simple roof terrace into a magical roof garden where you can see the world. And maybe adults should try and do that. I agree. What a lovely sentiment, you. Definitely. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Um, And does that conclude our podcast for today? Have we got any final thoughts? I think it does. Remember to send us any comments or suggestions for the podcast. Sadly, that concludes our podcast for today. I hope you've all really enjoyed listening to it. And I hope you can find a copy of the book we spoke about as well. Because the illustrations are really something, as well as the words, but... I'd highly recommend it. If you have a child, give it to them. Be a lovely read. I might buy a copy for my niece. <laughs> and so that's all from me, June. Me, Maddie. Me, Yordi. And me, John. Thanks. Don't forget, like and subscribe. Bye. Bye. Bye.